Welcome to episode 133 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Bianca, Brian, Jancy, and Natalie. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Bianca, Brian, Jancy, and Natalie, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. In recovery, we listen to each other, we learn from each other's experience, strength, and hope, we find the tools to let go of our need to control others and to love our alcoholics. Today, we're going to talk about the four L's. Listen, learn, let go, and love. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of the four L's. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is co-host Pat. How are you today, Pat? I'm doing really well, Spencer. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, okay. How, how's your neck? You were doing some kind of a spinal thing there. Neck is it's it's, it's um, ongoing. That's that's what I can say. I think it's ongoing. Anyway, the first segment of today's episode of the Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, the four L's. Following a short break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about how we practice these principles in all our affairs. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. And Pat, you picked a reading. I did. It comes from Hope for Today. It's April 21st on page 112. Our indication of maturity is the ability to consider the opinions of others. However, somewhere along the line in my alcoholic upbringing, I developed the idea that what I believed to be true was always right. My way was the way to think. Such black and white perception didn't allow me to hear, let alone consider, different viewpoints. My intolerance was rooted in two of my main character defects, fear and insecurity. My opinions were inseparable from my self-image. If my opinions were wrong, I was wrong. If my philosophy wasn't good enough, I wasn't good enough. Thanks to particular elements in the Al-Anon program, such as allowing members to share without receiving advice, and the slogans, listen and learn, and live and let live, I've learned a healthier way to hear and respond to views that differ from mine. Just as feelings aren't facts, opinions aren't either. They simply reflect how an individual sees a particular issue. I don't have to decide whether another's angle of vision is right or wrong. I can listen with detachment, accept the other person's right to have an opinion, and perhaps even say, you may be right. Such behavior gives freedom to both the speaker and the listener. Thought for the day. Today, I'll allow others to say what they think and allow myself to think about what they say. Quote, I took another step to maturity as I continue to recover from my illness of not listening. From Forum Favorites, Volume 4, page 11. Thank you for that. As the, uh, as the reading mentions, listen and learn is one of our slogans. Um, but uh, I hadn't heard it put together with uh, let go and love. Uh, can you maybe say a little bit about where, where you found that? Actually, it came from um, one of our long timers in the group that I go to on a regular basis. And I called her and asked her uh, where she had gotten it from. And she, she didn't remember. Mm-hmm. But I, I only heard it about six months ago and just put a whole bunch of kind of loose ends together for me. Well, why don't we maybe take it apart a little bit and talk about the four, the four pieces and then we can put it back together. That sounds great. Uh, and... As you were, as you were reading that, I was thinking back to sort of where I, where I came from, uh, where I was before program, and I was not what you'd call a good listener. Uh, I, uh, I was always jumping ahead to what was I going to say next. Um, I always had to have some response to what the person was saying, and in consequence. Um, I wasn't doing a good job really hearing what they were saying and and paying attention to them. 
Um, actually, there's a there's a reading in how Elanon works on on listen and learn. It has questions that I, I looked at that and I said, "Oh, geez, are we good listeners? Do we grant other people the time to say what they need to say to clarify their thoughts, even to say things we don't like to hear, or do we? And this is me right here." Do we interrupt, finish other people's sentences for them, or stop listening altogether while we prepare our response? And I'm like, yeah, that's where I was. Do you know what page that was, Spencer? This is on page 97. Um, It's not in the slogans chapter, which is, I think, what, what fooled me when I was looking for it. It's the communication chapter in the section titled Listening. Mm. And it, it goes on to say, but being a good listener is more than a matter of courtesy. Elanon's slogan, Listen and Learn, reminds us that if we have the self-discipline to be quiet and pay attention to others' words, we can learn a tremendous amount about ourselves and our world. And uh, that is that is so true. What's what's your experience been with listening before? Oh, oh gosh. Um, you know, we were looking at kind of making up some discussion questions, and the first three just describe exactly where I was. Do you, do you try to fix others if they're sharing a problem or difficulty? Do you have to be right or have the last word in discussions or arguments? And do you feel like you have to convince others of your point of view? And the reading, when I found that reading in Hope for Today, it, it was exactly who I was. One of my serious character defects is a, is a real bad self-esteem. And if I wasn't right, if I wasn't pushing my opinion on somebody else, or if I wasn't fixing them, which drove my kids crazy, mm-hmm. um, then then I was not good enough. I, you know, I felt bad about myself and, and I really, so it really was a, a huge roadblock to listening. I, yeah, I remember some friends when they would, they would talk about something that, that was going on and I would immediately start jumping to solutions and they would say, you know, I don't want you to fix it. I just need to talk about it. I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me. Like, of course I have to fix it. Isn't that my job? Absolutely. Yeah, that was with my daughter in particular. It took me years. I can't believe how many years it took me where she would tell me something, a problem, and I'd come up with a solution or try to fix it. And finally, after years in Ellen, I'm kind of a slow learner sometimes. I think it kind of got into me. (laughs) Um, The other thing that happens when I was in, um, you know, this listen and learn and then let go and love really spoke to me about those conversations when I'm being reactionary Mm. or I feel judged or I feel criticized and I'm not necessarily, I'm just assuming negative intent. And then I would become very reactionary and angry and resistant. Um, So that was another big part of the kind of the, my need for recovery and my disease process. Yeah, you have to think about that one a little more because uh, the place where that can happen for me is is in a work setting and uh, where an emotional response is not appropriate. Yeah, I have to think about it. I, I want to move forward a little bit and think about, so when we came into the program and most of the meetings that I go to are not crosstalk meetings, so um, we just have to sort of listen to what each of us says and and not, you know, we're not interrupting, we're not responding, we're not fixing all those things that, uh, you know, we're not necessarily convincing somebody else. We can't have an argument because uh, typically we each speak once. Um, we're encouraged to speak from our own experience. And that was, that was a real learning experience for me. That was, you know, it was sort of forced that discipline of keeping my mouth shut. And I started to learn to bring that discipline into the rest of my life. It's amazing uh, when you do that with some, with other people, like how much better the conversation goes sometimes, how much, uh, how, how much less conflict and friction that I find in, in, in my, uh, in my interactions sometimes. And I started having people tell me that I was a good listener. I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I was never that before. 
it's super cool when you get somebody telling you that you've changed and, and when someone else recognizes it, that's, that's just the gold standard to me. Um, no, it was, it's the same thing coming into the rooms. And I, I love that concept that we take all of our traditions and our group consciousness and our concepts and we apply them as a group in Al-Anon in our, in our group meetings first. And that that is such a great starting point that when you come into the rooms just for an hour and a half a week or whatever the meeting is, and you're within this group where everybody has the same approach and the same standards, and they are not standard ways of being that we learn out in our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And so that, that thought is, you know, we've said it many times, you've said it many times in the podcast that, we had to practice in the rooms those new behaviors, and then we get to take them out into the real world. And the idea of no crosstalk, where I wasn't having to construct in my head something to respond, was so freeing. It was so liberating to just listen. And and kind of the other thing it did, it gets to it later on, like in our closing, was was that humility over time. I think you've you've referred to it sometimes where someone would have mannerisms or a way of speaking, or they'd speak a particular length or whatever it was that I'd start kind of judging on time after meeting, after meeting, after meeting, I was able to slowly let go of those judgments and, and truly listen. And people who I just, wasn't open to at all when I first walked into Al-Anon. I could really learn a lot from when I finally got past all the kind of superficial judgments and, and resistances I was making. So, so yes, just like you, you know, walking into the rooms of Al-Anon, there I learned that behavior, and then I was able to bring it out into my everyday life. And the hardest people I, I've been able to apply it pretty well with, with friends and distant family or not, not super nuclear family, (laughs) but oh gosh, the nuclear family, those are the hardest ones for me to apply the whole, um, or else to. Oh yeah. I mean, I think about my relationship with my wife and we've been together for over 35 years now. And so there were many habits that solidified over those years Mm -hmm. and Changing those is is difficult, and and is taking time. As you were talking about um, the way in which we learn in the rooms to listen to everybody, whether they bug the heck out of us from some mannerism or not, or whatever it might be, that that when I can put that aside. And when I can really listen, then I do learn things. And I really think that I feel like listen and learn really go together here. You know, that's one slogan, right? It's listen and learn. Because when I listen, I learn. And when I don't listen, I don't learn. You you were talking about your relationship with your wife. And I'm actually in a different relationship than than my first um, marriage where I I found the need for recovery. Um, And... I got somebody said in one of our meetings once that that the person who's the qualifier in their lives is themselves because yeah. we're the ones that need recovery. And I really like that concept. Anyway, so second husband and uh, we'd have conversations and I'd start getting heated up and and I'd recognize that and I'd hit pause, but getting to think. I really had trouble with, you know, I, I kind of got to the point where I could kind of stop, take a breath, hit the pause button, but getting to think to is what I'm going to say next, thoughtful, honest, intelligent, necessary, and kind. That's where the four L's really fit in for me. Mm. When I'm, when I'm then starting to heat up and I remember, okay, I'm going to move let go. I'm going to just listen. And I, I was writing and then in my notes when I was thinking about this, it's like, maybe let go should come first. Yeah, <laughs> always. Sometimes let go is, is don't even get into the discussion in the first place. So anyway, 
if I, and I'm going to listen and really learn what my wonderful husband has to say, I often learn a great deal when I stop being resistant mm-hmm. and, and when I let go and, and that physically is like let going of energy. Sometimes it just means dropping my arms, not holding them crossed, relaxing my body. And that helps me be more open. It is amazing how changing my physical position can change my attitude you know, I'm sitting there with my arms crossed and sort of hunched, and and if I open up my posture and sit back, it helps me to feel more receptive. Mm-hmm. I just want to riff on that a little bit, if I may. I took a training, actually a couple of times I took a training on um, how to be a um, a chaplain, which in that in the context I was doing it, basically a chaplain is somebody that you can go and talk to about whatever's going on in your life and the conversation is confidential. The chaplain's not there to fix things, not there to change anything, but just to be somebody that you can go talk to. And this is, this was in the context of um, teenage youth groups. And in that training, there was uh, in one of them, there was an exercise where the trainer sat with one of the, one of the youth that was in the, in the group and, and said, here, talk to me about something that's going on. And the first time he was sort of sitting back, crossing his arms, looking at his watch, looking around the room. And and so they did that for a minute or so. And, and then he stopped and he said, well, how, do, how did that feel? And he asked us all, how do you think, how, how did that feel to you? And we were all like, well, you weren't paying attention. You know, you weren't being very receptive. And so then he started over, but he leaned forward, he opened his posture, he looked at uh, the person who was talking, and not only could we feel a difference, at least me, I could feel a difference as an observer, the way in which the person who was talking started to talk about their problem and what was going on in their life went so much deeper in the same amount of time. Um, And it was a really graphical illustration to me of how my body language can affect the way in which I'm perceived in a conversation. It can affect the way in which I receive it because I've, I've tried this and it makes a difference to me uh, as, as the listener, but also that it made such a difference in the way that the person who was talking was, uh, you know, talked about what was going on in the first sort of in the first time through, it was very general and the second time, it got much more personal. And I try to I try to do that. I try to apply that in a meeting. I try to apply that when I'm being a sponsor with meeting with somebody one on one for sure. Um, we might be sitting in a coffee shop, and there's a tendency to kind of lean back and sip my coffee and cross my legs. And you know, and I'm not a person who's really comfortable with eye contact. You may have noticed I'm not looking at you very much. And so making myself look receptive also makes me more receptive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that that you're talking about there is, is moving into the love and love seems like, yeah. Oh, well that's a given, you know, we should love everybody. But I find in particular with people that I'm close, that are close to me. And if there's something emotional going on, if I can stop reacting and, and do the four L's, what comes out at the other end is love and compassion. And sometimes at my work too, I've had that happen recently. I've been really trying to do this at work, giving really respectful attention to people. It's hard because it's time consuming. It can be mm-hmm. 30 minute conversation. You don't really think you have time for it, but it would be disrespectful to stop the person. But I don't always have a way of fixing it. You know, they yeah. can be telling me about something very problematic, but what comes out the other end is, is love and compassion. And, and that's the one thing I can give them at that point in time with my close family members. When I really do it right, I usually come out the other end knowing something a lot better about them, knowing what they're, where they're coming from, what their feelings are, what their thoughts are. Yeah. What am I learning when I practice the four L's and what am I letting go of when I practice the four L's? 
Uh, I think I'm going to take that in in the other order. What am I letting go of? Um, I'm letting go of all these things at the at the top here. I'm letting go of trying to fix. I'm letting go of being right. I'm letting go of having the last word. Um, I'm letting go of having to convince others of my point of view. Um, I'm letting go of ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to put it in in a three letter word, I'm letting go of ego. Uh, I'm letting go of self to some extent, and that to me, letting go of self can lead directly into love. Mm-hmm. So practicing this with uh, one of the people I've been talking about a lot recently on the podcast with my mother. Um, the being in a conversation with her can be extremely frustrating if if I try to make it go the way I want to make it go, um, because her mind doesn't go in straight lines anymore. But if I can follow her, if I can if I can let go of of direction and follow her. Um, then it's a lot easier to continue to love her in the moment. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. two kinds of love in this relationship. There's the, the love of a son for his mother that, uh, you know, she's been there for 60 years for me. And, and there's the, the love of the person who's sitting right across from me, which can get erased by moments of frustration by moments of fear and and anger at her disease, not which, if I'm not careful, can feel like anger at her. Mm-hmm. It's a very familiar feeling because I had to deal with that in you know the alcoholic relationship for for so many years. And be angry at the behavior. It's so easy for that to be anger at the person, and so you know, letting go of of my need. To have everything be right for me actually makes it easier to have, as you say, uh, to come out of the end at the end with compassion and love. Yeah. Uh, yeah some of the letting goes that I have are letting go of preconceived notions, mm. assumptions about, I've mentioned it, some assumptions about what the other person is intending in terms of personal, letting go of judging the other person. And I think, I think you kind of referred to that with judging, with letting go of self. Letting go of self-importance was kind of how I was thinking of it. And, and I think you mentioned a couple of the others. The other thing is letting go of outcomes. That's a that's a big part of it is letting go of the expectations of myself that I'm going to somehow change the other person. And that's kind of where it gets into controlling manipulation. Letting go of the idea that they're going to come away happier after the conversation. I think that's something I don't know. I got in college that when someone walks away, they're supposed to be better off because they had this glorious conversation with me. (laughs) Got to let go of that too. Yeah. That's something I struggle with a little bit as a sponsor. When, uh, when a sponsee calls me uh, or we meet and, and they say, you know, I'm, I'm having this problem. I'm having this difficulty knowing what to do in a situation, understanding a concept in the program. And I really have to sit on my desire to fix what's going on and and to know that all I can do is first listen to what they're saying and then share whatever experience, strength, and hope I might have that is connected to related to uh what what they're dealing with and and then i have to i have to let go of it and that is so hard for me i want to i want them to say oh yeah that's perfect that'll fix it i know exactly what to do now doesn't work that way no oh you just hit the nail on the head that is actually something i've been writing about in my journals lately i've been doing this for 10 years i feel like i'm a terrible sponsor (laughs) <laughs> I guess I, you know, I, I come away from these, someone calls me difficulty. It's, it's exactly that. And I was, I was the only problem with listening to the podcast while I'm walking, you guys know I'm always breathing hard when I'm sending in my messages. <laughs> is, is, 
write down notes. And and I specifically the other day I was like, ah, oh, I want to be able to write down. You people say, you know, I called my sponsor and they asked me X, Y, and Z, and it was like, oh, that's such a great question to ask. I gotta I gotta somehow start doing voice recordings or something because the the podcasts have these little gems in them, and you can't keep them all on your iPhone. So, uh, but no, that's that's exactly right on with sponsees. I totally understand. Yeah. And I learned from um, a friend in the program who uh, was not my sponsor, but who was a very good listener. And so I would call when I needed to talk about something. And one time I said, I don't understand how it is that when I'm on the phone with you, I feel like you're being so receptive that you're there listening to what I'm saying with your silence. <laughs> and it was, it was a weird thing because, you know, they're not talking, they're not commiserating. They're not saying, Oh yeah, I had that happen to me. They're being silent, but somehow they're being silent in a way that is receptive. Mm-hmm. How do you tell the difference on a phone? I don't know. But anyway, that was the feeling that I got, and I asked, and I asked, and and what they said was, "Well, uh, when you're talking, I just keep reminding myself it's Spencer's turn to talk." And it's such a simple concept, and it's so hard to apply. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to apply in in conversations, and and I, but I have used that tool uh, when I'm meeting with with a sponsee in particular. Um, and they're talking about some difficulty that they're having in their in, in their relationships or in their life. And by being silent, by not injecting my own clever thoughts into the conversation, and I'm going to put that clever thoughts in air quotes, I find that they get a lot deeper into what's going on. And it's mm-hmm. it's actually easier to, for them to come to a place of better understanding of, of what they might want to do. If I don't say anything, sometimes it's just weird. <laughs> it, it's funny because I had, I had identified that I was a fixer. I mean, if that was, that was easy part figuring out as fixer and then, and then slowly working through my relationships. And it was my sponsor sponsor relationship was the last one where I, I really realized, oh, duh, I've been trying to fix them in all these conversations mm-hmm. we're having. And, and you know, I do better when, I, when I'm not trying to fix them. Yeah, and letting go, letting go is important there for me. Um, I'm thinking about one particular case where a person was, was following a path that was right for them, uh, but that would not have been right for me. Mm-hmm. And I had to sort of continue to bite my tongue, if you will, uh, to to let go of injecting my opinion and and try to just hear what they were saying. That's that is hard. That is that is yeah. something that has taken a while to learn. And I'm glad that I did learn it. I wanted to circle back a little bit too, because one of the places that uh, I have found the program helping me and particularly with the, the listen part, but the whole thing um, is I spent several years being um, an advisor to youth in my church community. And the word advisor is not really what the role is for me. It may be for mm-hmm. other people who are in that role, but, but I found that what I had learned in Al-Anon really helped me to listen openly to what these kids were saying and to accept them for who they were, where they were. In consequence, they came to trust me. I've found that that a lot of a lot of teens, in particular, don't have good relationships with adults in their life. Um, and when they found somebody, whether it's me or somebody else, that that they can actually be themselves with, and to know that I'm not going to come back at them with some judgment of something that they say. It's it's really powerful and and it's amazing. 
young people tend to, and I'm, I'm generalizing here, but young people tend to be a lot more quick to develop connection or non-connection and, and, and quick at, they just, they live life faster than I do. And it only takes like one incident where I let my judgment sh- show through, assuming that there is some judgment to show through. And, and that can totally turn off a relationship. And then the flip side that, that when I'm open uh, and receptive, when I listen, learn, let go and love, that can be reciprocated very quickly. Uh, you know, in the, in the course of a weekend uh, conference, for example, it's just, it's really amazing. I don't think that would have happened without learning these principles, whether I had put it together into a nice group of four L's. I think that, that I learned how to do that and it, and it really made a difference. Well, it, it's, it's great because what we're doing is for me, I didn't grow up with this as an example. You know, my father didn't sit down and just listen <laughs> while I talked. <laughs> so it's, it's really great to be giving, providing an example of a different way of being um, than maybe we were raised with or, or a way of being that we find to be a lot more effective. I talk with my kids about it. You know, hey, I managed to just listen and learn the other day. And and my son came back with, he's 25, he goes, I did that a couple times last week. I was really happy with it, you know, and it, it's cool. Because I'm able to, I'm able to just give them a, a different alternative, a different way that, as an example, that they can, they can choose. You know, with my kids, I still want to give them not necessarily advice, but but experience or options. I think you're talking about your daughter talking to you about a relationship, and you didn't know whether you should make a suggestion about something she could say to her her friend or not. And, and I really thought about that. And I, I, what I've started doing lately is actually saying to my kids, you know, Hey, take what you like and leave the rest. I literally say that to them. Like, this is just a suggestion. Mm-hmm. It's an idea. It comes from my experience. I want to give it to you, but gosh, it's up to you whether you use it or not. Um, and that, that just brings a lot more respect into those relationships. It's, Transitioning from having a child to having an adult child, yeah, and and giving them all the accordance due an adult, uh, that's a bit of a challenge sometimes. No kidding, my kids. Uh, I have twins. I think I've said that before, but my kids just turned twenty five yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, we were able to celebrate with my daughter, who is in town, and called her sibling on the phone from the restaurant said, hi, we're, we're celebrating your birthday and, and you're not here, but we thought we'd call you <laughs> and, and not feeling like any need to, uh, you know, to do anything else there. Just mm-hmm. how I would, I would call my parents on their birthday and say, hi, mm-hmm. same kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> well, back to the four L's. I have yeah. to say, I really, I think this is really timely because for me, the four L's work so much during the Christmas time and time that we're going to be with our family. And that's when I have the most reactionary, the most emotional responses. Um, People are, I I know often come to the meetings and like, yeah, I needed a meeting because I'm going to be with my family next week and I know it's going to be rough. Um, so I think the four L's work so beautifully during the, during the holidays and, and big family times for me. Um, another thing is courage to change has kind of a different take on, on um, listen and learn. And the one reading it has around listen and learn mm-hmm. talks about listening to your own body. Mm-hmm. And I think that really applies to the holidays too, is, you know, listening to what is going on with your own body, whether it's, um, you know, halts, very basic like halt, or whether you're um, always taking care of somebody else first. That was definitely part of my disease when I first came to Nell and on. Everybody else was more important. I was fixing everybody else. I was doing things for everybody else. I was always just uh, kind of, we were raised with Brian's song, I am third. Everybody else gets to come before me and I'm third. Mm-hmm. 
So the courage to change take on it is, are you listening to yourself? Are you listening to your, your gut instinct and your red flags in your life and doing self-care? Mm. Um, and that's where I think letting go becomes letting go of self-expectations. Again, the holidays for me are, you know, boy, that is just a big pit of long list making and high self expectations and unrealistic expectations and trying to do too much in too short a time. So really letting go of a lot of those expectations and loving myself, letting myself be feel like I am still good enough. I am still lovable. Even though I'm not getting 8 million things done today. Yeah. Boy, that, that brings back so much for me. Um, that, I know I've talked about before paying attention to my body is something that I'm definitely doing more of thinking about uh, Friday. I was at a holiday party and as the evening wore on, I realized that I was tired um, and I was kind of withdrawing from the party. And rather than feel like I had to stay there because, Hey, the party's still going. Mm-hmm. I said, no, it's time for me to go. And I just left. Mm-hmm. And, and I seem like, seems like I do that more and more lately, you know, listening to myself and it probably has something to do with getting older and my body speaking a little louder maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it still is a change in the way that I think about and I react to, as you say, expectations. And, and a lot of that is my own expectations on myself. I used to be the guy who was one of the first to come and one of the last to leave. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, in this uh, particular group, a friend of mine and I were very often the last two. And we used to joke with each other about it. And, and that's not me so much anymore um, because I am, I'm doing a better job of listening to what, uh, what my needs are. Um, so that, you know, that's a great reminder too. Um, holidays. Yeah. I think for me this year, the big one was Thanksgiving because that's where we had the whole, my whole family, my parents, my siblings and my children. Well, no, my brother wasn't there, but, um, all together in one place. And when I say in one place, it's my parents' house, which is not large. Um, it's got, they have their own bedroom and then there's a, a sort of a guest loft that has, um, two sleeping areas, but it's all open. It's very hard to get away uh, from from the group. Uh, and so I had to use my tools a lot um, in in that setting. And then the next, the day after Thanksgiving, I went to a meeting and and a lot of people were talking about family and Thanksgiving and holidays all together and and somebody said something like you know this is a family disease and and it really shows itself at its at its peak when the family comes together <laughs> like yeah. yeah that's why we're all here at this meeting on friday friday morning after thanksgiving mm-hmm. what would you say to somebody who is new to alanon around these, these four L's? I'd say they're just what a, really a great tool to keep in your pocket because they can come out and be used in so many places in your life. When I first came to the program, there was so much anger and reactivity and insecurity and feeling bad about myself and chaos and interactions with a very active drinker. And then also learning how to be a member of the Al-Anon community. That if I could have just stopped, listened, and and really learned and heard what they're saying, it might even have saved me some grief in terms of learning that what the drinker was saying to me was very hurtful and angry and mean, but it wasn't actually about me. If I could have not been so reactive. And then letting go and loving. Um, I think it's just a good good tool for social situations in general. Mm-hmm. I think when I was able to let go of 
trying to control my alcoholics drinking when I was able to let go of the feeling that she was doing it at me. I, I found it easier to find love, which uh, was good for me. It, it just, I think the four L's tie in with so many other concepts and slogans and that's, you know, there's detachment with love and humility and compassion. And there's so many parts of the program that kind of, they all blend together anyway. It's a lovely program. So you had a, uh, a closing reminder? I do. Um, this is from ODAT. It's on page 317. Um, ODAT being uh, one day at a time, the daily reader. It says, the essential quality of good listening is humility. A holier-than-thou attitude can block out much of what we need for our guidance. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. And what's our first uh, musical selection? The first one is from Simon and Garfunkel, The Sounds of Silence. There's a lot of good lines in it, but the ones I picked out were, And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more. People talking without speaking, people listening without hearing, people writing songs that no one shared. And it's really dark. I don't know if anybody even wants to listen to it because it's definitely pre-Al-Anon. But it makes me think of the Dreams episode that you do. And it's kind of like an Al-Anon nightmare, you know. Um, It just gives you this incredibly strong sense of the isolation that um, I think so many of us feel. I certainly felt before I came into the rooms of Al-Anon. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. The event that's standing out in in my mind and my body right now uh, is that on Friday, I finally uh, kept that appointment that I had made uh, at at my gym with a trainer to uh, to design an exercise program for myself and we talked about what my goals were and my goals just, just to be clear, my goals are, are were I, I picked three um, weight reduction, uh, cardiovascular health and uh, core body strength and not necessarily in that order. And, and so he asked me, well, what kind of work do you do? I said, well, I'm com- computer programmer. He says, so you spend a lot of your time sitting kind of hunched over a keyboard and I'm so, well, yeah, um, I actually have a standing desk now, so I'm a little less hunched, but, but yeah. And so he suggested working on shoulders and chest for, for strength training and gave me some pointers, showed me, you know, what, some exercises to do. And so then I went and did my normal workout with some uh, treadmill work. And then I went over to, to the weight machines and, and went through the, uh, the exercises that he had suggested. And I might've pushed myself a little hard. Uh, because today I am really sore, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and he warned me. He says he mm-hmm. says it's funny. He said you're going to be a little sore. I said, Actually, no, you're going to be a lot sore. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. But this is part of uh, this is part of my commitment to to taking care of myself in all aspects of my life. I feel like I've been working pretty well at sort of the spiritual and mental aspects. And now that I have more time because work is not uh, overtime all the time as it has been for a while, um, I, I'm getting back to working on the physical part. Also, turning 60 might have had some influence there. So that's, that's uh, sort of part of an ongoing uh, process of of trying to do things for myself, trying to pay attention to uh, my health, trying to pay attention to my body as well as as my uh, as my emotional spiritual um, aspect that the program has been doing so well at helping me with. 
so yeah, so that's that's a big thing on my mind right now. Yesterday went to my step meeting and the topic was step five. And having been out a little bit late the night before, I was feeling a little under the weather and decided not to talk. And that's that's an exercise for me because I almost always talk in a meeting. And I just sat back and listened to what people um, had to say. And there was there was some really good sharing around the table about how talking openly and honestly with somebody about um, our shortcomings can really free us from the hold that those things have on us. And I know I've had that experience. Um, and also sometimes about the difficulty of coming to trust someone enough to be able to do that. Again, I had that experience in the program the first time I did a fifth step. I, I left some stuff out that I knew about, but I wasn't ready to talk to, to another person about them. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that trust yet. Um, and it took several more years before I could uh, could actually open up and admit some of the things that I had done in my life that had happened in my life and that you know came out of my various character defects. And as other people had said yesterday, uh, it was really freeing. There was, there were some things that just had a hold on me that they would pop up in my head and I would go into the old kicking myself routine, uh, the whole self deprecation thing. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't let go of it. And the only way I was able to let go of it was to actually admit it out loud to somebody else. Uh, And then then its power went went away, and it was it's really amazing experience. But finding the trust is is the key point, I think, for us to be able to do step five. And it's a good thing it comes a little bit later in the steps because it gives us time to find that trust. So I think that's what I've got this week. How about you? I've always said skeletons in the closet are always ten feet tall while they're in the closet, and when they come out of the closet, they're about six inch little models. <laughs> Um, so, so this week we do um, one tradition per month in my home group, and we did Tradition 12 meeting. Tradition 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles above personalities. And the, there's a, another one. Oh, Tradition 11 really focuses on anonymity. So we had just done that last month. So we didn't really focus on that very much. The conversation was really around the principles of personality side of it. Um, And for me personally, it took me a long time to get that. And really, kind of, I still would have a hard time explaining what it means if somebody asked me. It was a wonderful discussion, lots of points of view. Um, people talked a lot about taking it out of the Al-Anon rooms and bringing it to the workplace. Mm-hmm. So that was really positive. And then there were just these others talking to an Al-Anon friend who was at the same meeting and kind of the things that she picked up were someone talked about making sure that she lives her life um, behind a veil of integrity. So everything that comes out of her to the rest of the world has to move through this veil of integrity, which I thought was a really fascinating Mm. vision. Mm. Um, And somebody else was talking about, they try to ask themselves in situations, whether they're being a servant or a partner of God. And what does that mean in a situation to be a servant of God? And then another one said, another person said, you know, it's not really so much about the words that you use, it's really about the feelings that you create and how someone walks away feeling about you. Mm-hmm. Maybe kind of the litmus test of your interaction. So it was it was a really fascinating meeting. We started doing the traditions a few years ago after group conscience and uh, have just really, really enjoyed incorporating those into our meetings. And then I started reading the forum on my break, and that was really cool. So I read the, the December forum. I got through the first three articles, and that was cool. Um, I listened to the podcasts on slogans and trust and lying, and um, really great material in all of those. And then I have to admit, <laughs> the podcast was totally stressing me out. <laughs> Spencer has on this on on his outline for the podcast that he sends you when you do it. He keeps saying all over the place, 
it doesn't have to be perfect, <laughs> which I really appreciate. But I, when I first came to Elena, I would get these horrible, horrible stomach aches. And I walked out the door somewhere in the middle of the week and Oh my goodness, holy moly, I had a really horrible stomach ache. And the achievement in the Al-Anon moment was that, yeah, I get it when I'm feeling insecure or perfectionist or like I'm not being good enough. I'm, you know, I'm afraid of being judged. Um, and so I was really, and it, it really ties in with my perfectionism and, and insecurity. So I was able to recognize that, like literally within two houses of walking out the door and and really recognize that it's the source of my anxiety. And I thought the only thing I can do this because I'm doing everything I can to be a good partner for the podcast. The only thing I can do with this is turn it over to my higher power. Mm -hmm. And by house number three, the stomach ache was gone. It's awesome. really, truly amazing. Yeah, yeah. And and then I think I mentioned uh, list making and perfectionism in association with the holidays. So I think that's that's plenty. That's been my week kind of in Al-Anon and self-work. Thank you. Looking ahead, the uh, upcoming topics, we uh, have not arranged a date yet with Akila to talk about the last two concepts in our series, is concepts 11 and 12. And these these concepts sound so, um, you know, foreign to sort of everyday life, but so it'll be interesting to see how we're able to pull them into our into how we use these in, in our everyday life. The concept 11 says the World Service Office is composed of selected committees, executives, and staff members. And concept 12 says the spiritual foundation for Al-Anon's World Services is contained in the general warranties of the conference, Article 12 of the Charter. Well, um, so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, the general warranties uh, talk about uh, sufficient operating funds, uh, no unqualified authority, decisions are reached by vote and, if possible, unanimity, no action be personally punitive or an incitement to public controversy, and that uh, the uh, conference remains democratic. It is not government. I think when I look at those warranties, I can see a little bit how I might apply those in my life, but I'm looking forward to that discussion. I think Akila and you have, I love the concept ones. I've listened, I think, to almost all of them. And well, thank it, you. Akila always has terrific input. And I, you know, it's always interesting. You, you read the words and they sound pretty dang dry, but the traditions used to sound really dry to me. And in Paths to Recovery, they have really great questions. And, and I've just found that all of the literature, let's see, there's that green book growing. Yep. Reaching for personal freedom. There you go. That one too. Whenever you start looking at how they dial down on that and the questions that they ask, yeah. they are really, really great questions, and they really bring it into your personal life. So yeah. I would encourage people to listen to it, not to think just because it's concepts. It doesn't have some value. Well, if, if you notice, I haven't been titling those episodes, Concept This and That. I've been trying to pull out a couple of principles and put that in the title, so I sort of maybe grab you in and you start listening and you say, oh, well, okay. Uh, this this sounds like something I could use. Maybe I'll keep on listening. At least that's my intent. Uh, it seems like a good idea. Yep. And uh, depending on, on timing of the concepts episode, I'm thinking about uh, sort of expanding on, on thoughts about the holidays, about how I personally have uh, used program in, in various holiday situations. And uh, so if if you are listening and you have – some experience about uh, a way in which you used uh, your recovery principles in, in a holiday situation, or if you are dreading uh, some upcoming holiday situation and you want to want to have us uh, share our experience, strength and hope about that topic, uh, give us a call, uh, send us an email and uh, let us know. Uh, join the conversation here. We're always trying to bring in more voices and Pat, how can people do that? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can call right now. And that number again is 734-707-8795. You can also go to the website and use the voicemail button to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer to not use your voice, you can send email to feedback at the recovery show 
com. And the recovery show is all just one word. So we'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic um, of the four L's or any of our other upcoming topics. Um, or if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. Spencer, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, that would be our website, therecoveryshow.com, where we have all the information about the show, including notes for each episode and occasional blog and links to the music that we talk about. We also have links to some other recovery podcasts and websites. If you really like to join the conversation like uh, Pat is doing today, consider being a guest host. Email feedback at com if you're interested. We'll take a short break before diving into the mailbag. Our second music selection um, available at the website is Let It Go by the Great Big C. I thought the following lines kind of reminded me or worked for me. Let it go, let it go. This is smaller than you know. It's no bigger than a pebble lying on a gravel road. Let it go, let it go. Gotta leave it all behind you. Give the sun a chance to find you. And then another line in the song is, if you learn to love a little, you live a whole lot more. I think that sounds very appropriate to our four L's here. some email and voicemail this week. Uh, we have, have an email from Brian who says, things are well. My qualifier still struggles, but the program of Al-Anon and your podcast keeps me grounded. I'm currently a group rep for our group. I've attended one assembly so far and find it so fascinating, the relationship between the home group, the state, the world service organization. More to follow in this regard. I feel a meditation coming on. And uh, this is me interjecting, Spencer interjecting. Um, Brian has contributed to some meditations in the past, and I really appreciated that because that's one of the things that I haven't had a lot of time to do recently. Uh, so if you have a thought you'd like to share with the community and maybe uh, share it on the website instead of in the, in the program, uh, you can send me, uh, send me a meditation and I can post that on the website. So thanks for that thought, Brian. He continues, have a great holiday season and congrats on finishing your project. It sounds like it was a real process. And uh, I just got to say, Brian, yes, it was a real process. And it's good to hear from you. Uh, Brian's been a, a correspondent for a while, and it's nice to hear that people are still around. You have any uh, any uh, thoughts on, on Brian's note? Uh, only that it's it's really hard to find group reps. We're, we have a real hard time getting people. I've heard you guys talk about how you don't say no to service. Ooh, people say no to service a lot in our area. <laughs> and... Um, I was able to be a district rep for a short time. And it is really great because the whole Allen organization is from the bottom up. It's, it's so different. Yeah. I think what I've seen is, is not so much people saying no to service, but people not saying yes. And maybe that's sort of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Got a voicemail from Akila. Hi, sister. It's Akila. I just finished listening to the living with wine. I'm so and I wanted to thank you and Julia very much for covering this podcast. Thanks, Akila, for that uh, for the call. I appreciate it. It's always nice to hear that somebody's listening to what we do. Hopefully Julia is listening. I will pass that on to her in any case. I have an email from Matt. Dear Spencer, two friends of mine appeared on one of your podcasts. I was worried they would either errantly divulge information that was private or somehow otherwise have something go wrong. After listening to it, I could not be more wrong. Your expert guidance through the podcast made it one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. I am thanking you for your skill with these presentations. It may sound like very short intro phrases you are using as prompts. However, I understand that your presentation lead is the perfect balance between minimalist interjection while also driving the subject matter as needed. Thank you. This podcast has probably changed the lives of many thousands more than you realize. Matt. Wow. Thanks for that, Matt. That's... That's amazing. Uh, you know, I got your email and I started reading it. And, and of course, my little fear circuit immediately kicked in like, oh, no, something horrible happened. <laughs> and so, and then I read the next sentence. I was like, whoo, okay. <laughs> I don't know how much of it's me, but I, I do appreciate the thought. Uh, it, I was listening to um, a podcast the other day. Um, it's actually an episode of Science Friday 
which how does that relate to Alan on? Well, he was talking with Alan Alda, uh, who's an actor, but is also um, started a, an academic center for sort of communication of science topics. And what they were talking about in particular in that conversation, I found it fascinating because they were talking about how they are training people in the scientific field, scientists and, and doctors and so on, to communicate more clearly with the general public by teaching them improvisation. Interesting. I, I connected it to the podcast because I was talking about how a conversation is a form of improvisation, that you can take something that might start out looking like an interview and turn it into a conversation by using um, the way in which when you're doing improv, you respond to what the other person says or does and, and use that to carry what you're doing forward. And, and I was thinking, wow, you know, maybe I should take some improv uh, because I mean, that very much is what I do in the podcast is I have a set of prompts, but the conversation goes where the conversation goes. And I, and I try to use the prompts as um, a guide to make sure that we like, don't forget something. Uh, or also to move us forward when we get stuck rather than as a strict outline of, of what we're going to talk about. And so I, I found that conversation really, really fascinating. Um, if you want to look it up, it's, I believe it's sciencefriday.com. It was probably from a couple of weeks ago because I am behind in my podcast listening. Let's see. We got a voicemail from Bianca. Hi, Spencer and everyone at The Recovery Show. Thank you so much for this podcast, for the authenticity and the honesty and the effort that goes into making it possible. It's really been a lovely part of my own recovery, so I appreciate it. I also wanted to thank you for the Do You Drink episode, which I know was a really difficult topic, uh, which is why we probably don't hear it in rooms, very much at meetings, but I appreciated that episode and can relate a lot to it. I have a family history of alcoholism, so I'm obviously worried about the genetics, but I have a lot of guilt and shame about enjoying alcohol, and uh, I have a lot of concern about drinking in front of alcoholics, and I have a lot of questions about whether or not I enjoy alcohol too much, even if it's just the second, uh, you know, or th very rare third drink at a long, long event where I'm not driving. But I have all kinds of internal dialogue about it. And uh, even though I have a well-stocked liquor cabinet that came to my marriage from my husband, and the same alcohol has been in that cabinet for years and years and years. But it's interesting how much dialogue I have around the topic. So thank you so much for bringing that. And unfortunately, at that point, she ran into the minute and a half uh, button, the, the voicemail button on the website. And uh, mm. so we didn't get to hear exactly the end of what she said. Uh, you have thoughts about uh, Bianca's share? Um, I, I don't I don't personally have that issue, but it sounds um, it really sounds like something to do some step four and step five work around with a sponsor. I find have found in the past with sponsees that going into step four um, or step five, they'll have an incredible list of things that they feel very bad about. And through the process of step five, not only is it liberating, but, but that promise in the Al-Anon introduction about putting things in their proper perspective um, really comes into play. And the self judgment and self recrimination and um, self talk, um, kind of gets put in its proper perspective. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I expressed my feelings uh, pretty, pretty well in, in that episode. Um, I do, I do totally understand the, the self questioning that, that I have um, and that, that you expressed Bianca about, um, do I enjoy alcohol too much? Am I an alcoholic? I don't think so, but you know, every now and then I wonder. And so uh, it's, I, one of the reasons I did that episode was because I'd had some conversations with friends who are in the program and drink and who feel um, guilty or questioning about it. And I thought, this is something we don't, we don't talk about a lot in the rooms and that uh, 
is an issue for us, at least for some of us, me, me and me and some others. So thanks. Thanks for that. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Bianca, Brian, Jancy, and Natalie did. And I really want to thank everybody who's made, uh, maybe, I don't know if this is end-of-the-year contributions or exactly what, but um, you're going to enable me to do some things in support of uh, recording and producing the uh, the recovery show that I hadn't been able to do that will... Uh, hopefully improve the uh, at least the quality of what we're able to bring to you uh, and make me feel a little less insecure about uh, possibly losing an episode due to uh, technology problems so uh, i'll be uh, i'll keep you up to date on on what i end up spending the money on because uh, i really appreciate it coming in besides just keeping it going um, so thanks for that We've also put together a list of recovery-related books. If you click on the books link at the top of the page, you can order uh, books from Amazon or from Al-Anon. Uh, I have links to, uh, to books at both places. And if you order from Amazon through our website, we receive a small commission, uh, which helps to keep us going. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, whether it's telling your friends about us, and please do send them to therecoveryshow.com or just listening. We are here for you. Our last song selection uh, for the four L's is Seasons of Love from the musical Rent. And you can listen to this at therecoveryshow.com slash 133. I was really happy when Pat suggested this song because I had been thinking about songs for listen, learn, let go, love. And, and I thought, well, there's a lot of love songs out there. But are there songs about the kind of love that we're talking about here, which is not romantic love, uh, it's not parental love or child or, or fam- familial love. It's sort of that that unconditional love that we find in the program, or that we find from compassion for other people. And this song really uh, hits that nail on the head. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.